listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Monday, another day back on the podcast. Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., your excited and very handsome, charismatic uh, podcast host. (laughs) Good to have you back. Glad you're listening today. I've got a good one for you, as I know you've already seen in the title or on social media. And today we're going to be talking about choices that every husband must make for a problem-free marriage. Ladies, that doesn't mean you can tune out of the podcast today because this is something that you're going to want to hear. Many of you, your husband may not listen to the podcast, but this is something that you definitely need to make as a prayer point or multiple prayer points for your husband. Um, And if your husband's unsaved, then you're definitely believing for him to be saved. And then these things will become part of his life and lifestyle. And so ladies, this is not just being directed at the men, but as you hear this today, make these things prayer points for your husband, believing that God will use him in the greatest measure that could possibly happen. And and here's the other thing. I know, you know, ladies that are listening, you're believing for the most problem-free marriage possible, which is completely problem-free. And it is possible. So don't let anybody ever tell you that, um, you know, your marriage has to have problems because every marriage is always embroiled in problems and you know it's just how you live through the problems. No, you can have a problem-free marriage. You truly can. And um, and I want to encourage you that with, with that thought as we start today because there are people that will tell you this is impossible and your hopes are set too high, expectations are set too high, but I want to encourage you from the Word of God today and show you that it is possible men, women, to have a problem-free marriage um, and to live in total peace, total joy, total love. And I'm going to give you three things today, husbands, that definitely need to be choices you're making on a daily basis that will uh, create what we're calling a problem-free marriage. And then next week, you're not going to want to miss next week's podcast because we're going to go on the flip side and talk about choices that every wife has to make for a problem-free marriage. So there's two sides to this coin, but I'm starting with husbands because I truly believe that husbands are, and I'm going to read it to you from the Bible in a moment, the husbands are the head of the home. And they're not just the natural head, they are the spiritual head of the home. And to go a step further, which I'll, as I said, I'll bring you to the reference in a moment, but husbands are not just the head of the home, but according to Scripture, Husbands are the head of the wife, and that's a controversial thought in this day and age that we live, something that definitely would not be reflected in the belief system of the feminist movement by any means, but you need to understand that the Bible taught this, and it has nothing to do with ancient uh, Middle Eastern culture or any of that. It has to do with God's plan for the family unit. That's exactly the basis of this thought process, nothing to do with the culture of the day and has everything to do with the way God set up his family unit when he created man and woman 
and uh, allowed them to be fruitful, multiply, have children. God has an order. God has a system. And we're going to take you into that in a minute. But this is something that's very needed right now. The uh, divorce rate, sadly, in the church is the same as that in the world. And that, that shouldn't be the case. God does not want marriages and relationships to end in failure. It's not God's plan. In fact, the Bible says, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder or separate. So when God puts you together with you know who he has planned for you, he does not want that relationship to end in failure, divorce, separation. Uh, he wants it to be uh, a joyful, peaceful, and loving relationship as you both are pushing towards what God has planned for you as a family unit. So it's important that we speak to husbands and fathers in this day and age. The devil hates fathers. I've said that often in my preaching. The devil hates fathers. He's waging a war against fathers for a very simple reason. He wants the view of the next generation regarding fathers to be skewed because when he has the next generation coming up, if he can skew their view of what a father is or their respect for a father or their honor for a father, then what I've always said is, if you can't trust a father you can see, you'll never trust a father you can't see. And so the devil is doing his best to actually smear God's reputation in the hearts of young men and women by smearing the reputation of what a father is. Because God is our heavenly father, but if we don't understand how to properly respond to a father, then we will never properly respond to God. And uh, so that's why the devil is after husbands and fathers in this generation more than ever as Christ is getting ready to return because we play a very, very important role in the home and in the family unit. And so I'm going to give you these things from the word of God today. It's going to stir you up and encourage you and strengthen you to be who God called you to be in your home and with your wife and with your children. And uh, we're going to show you this from scripture. I'm going to give you scriptures to follow that are going to help you. So uh, let's get into this today. Number one, uh, the first choice that every husband's got to make for a problem-free marriage is that you have got to make a decision that you're going to love like Christ. We're going to define that in just a second. You have to make a decision you're going to love like Christ loves. And this is found in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, as Paul's getting ready to teach a segment um, on wives and husbands. And um, he says here in verse 22 of Ephesians 5, wives, submit yourselves uh, to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband, this is verse 23, is the head of the wife. Now see that. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So you need to understand right off the bat how God views marriage. Not as, uh, you know, what we would say in this generation, well, we're equals in the relationship and each one, has, but that's not what the Bible teaches. There is a divine order that God sets up for the health and strength of a marriage. Remember this for the rest of your life. Anything with more than one head is a monster. Anything with more than one head. That's why I don't believe that in churches that have pastor by committee or, you know, uh, a pastoral, 
I don't even know how they call it now. I, I call it pastor by committee, but they don't have a lead pastor. They just have a group of men who pastor the church together. Well, that's not scriptural because you can't have multiple heads. You're a monster and there's always going to be division and problems. I don't care how people think it's going to work. Anytime you don't have someone in charge making final decisions, then you're going to have drama, friction, issues, problems, you know? So, I mean, you look at the military, you know, you may be, you may have a battalion of men, but there's one commanding officer and that commanding officer also has a commanding officer and it goes right up the chain and out all the way down the line, there might be multiple men under someone, but there's one man that commands them, the commanding officer or the CO. You go on down the line and it goes, it's called delegated authority. So Christ has given delegated authority to the husband to be the, you know, and I don't want to look at it necessarily as a military order, but if you think of it in that way, a commanding officer of the home, meaning not just, and I'll show you this in a moment because it's, it has nothing to do with manipulation or control, has everything to do with authority to make decisions and to um, take your family and your children into a direction of peace, joy, and love. And the Bible says, husband, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Verse 24 Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You see that. So here's the command to husbands in Ephesians 5, 25, love your wives. Now it's going to define what type of love that God wants you to have for your wife. Love your wife in the same way Christ loved the church. How? Gave himself up for her. So it is a selfless, sacrificial love that you have for your wife. That's number one. Love your wife like Christ loves. That means it's not, it's, it's never a self-serving love or just a, um, you know, in word but not in deed type of love. It is a sacrificial selfless love. I put my wife ahead of me. I put her above me. That's the kind of love I have for her. I prefer her above myself. If there are two, if there are things that both of us want, I make sure that she would get what she would want before I would get what I would want all the way down to the smallest thing. Well, where are we going to eat tonight? Well, I really wanted Italian. Yeah, but I wanted Japanese. Yeah, but she wants Italian. And so I have a preferential love for my wife that if that's what she wants, you know, and it's hard enough to just make her make a choice. It was like, well, what do you, cause she's the same way. Well, what do you want? Well, no, but what do you want? <laughs> no, I'm asking you because I want you to have what you want. And if you feel like Italian, doesn't matter if I feel like Japanese, I'm going to prefer you above myself. Why? It's not self-serving. It's selfless. It's not about me. It's about, I want you to be happy. I love you. I want you to be, see, it's the same way. I'm going to put down my own desires and do my best to work hard to make sure that you are happy and that you're fulfilled and that you are uh, peaceful and, and, and joyful. See what I mean? 
when husbands make a choice to love their wives like that, there is no wife on earth that has trouble submitting to that type of love. You know, because we talk about submission as though it's like a bad thing, like it's some sort of slavery once you get into the marriage. Well, you submit. You better submit. And see, there always will be problems with submission as long as as the husband is not playing the proper role that Christ called him to play, which is to love his wife as Christ loved the church selflessly, giving himself up for her. So as long as you want to um, be a self-centered husband and do what you want, prefer yourself above your wife you know, and all that, then you'll have issues where, you know, at first she may be very good natured about it, but you know, that stuff wears on you after a while. And because God has all wisdom, he knows how he created the emotional makeup of each being men and women. And if women are going to sit there and be stepped over constantly and uh, never preferred and, and kicked to the back and, you know, that wears on you after a while and it'll begin to change as much as, I don't care how spiritually mature, and she can be the most spiritually mature woman in the world, you still have to deal with your emotions. And and I'll be very honest with all of you husbands listening to me. I truly believe this, that if there is a problem in the home, then, I mean, 99.9% of the time, it falls upon the husband as his responsibility. If there's a problem, check yourself and find out why there's a problem. I didn't say check your wife or check your kids. Check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself. No, I didn't say that. Uh, check yourself first. Because, see, if you are, for example, let me go back to the military analogy. If you've got a battalion of men and you're their commanding officer, you've been tasked by your commanding officer with a mission. And if you go out to accomplish the mission, and your men are not properly trained or something happens and you, you fail the mission, well, when you come back and you stand before your commanding officer, he's not going to say, hey, bring those guys in here that failed you. They, you I'm sure you told, you just sit over here by me and we're going to really lay into these guys that failed you. on the, No, the guys don't come in to see the commanding officer. The commanding Their commanding officer comes in to see his commanding officer. And he has to sit there and explain, why did your team fail? Because you were tasked with making your team accomplish this mission. Tell me, you're, you're held responsible. Why did your team fail? It's on you. I, I, I'm the, it's the same with husbands. We are the head of our wives. We are the head of our homes. If something's failing in our homes, what's my problem? See what I mean? I'm asking myself this question. If, if something's wrong with my wife, what's my problem? If something's wrong with my kids, what's my problem? If there's an issue, if there's peace lacking in my home, if there's joy lacking in my home, love, patience lacking in my home, what's my problem? I need to ask myself. It's not my wife's fault. It's not my kid's fault. It's my fault because I'm the head and I have the authority to set the tone and I have the authority to set the atmosphere and lead my family well. So what's my problem? I have an issue if there's an issue. And you need to write that down if you're a husband listening to this. If there's an issue, I have an issue. If there's an issue, I have an issue. So when we read this, let me go further with Ephesians 5. Uh, The Bible says, verse 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Verse 31, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So I want you to catch this here um, because this is very interesting. The Bible does not say that wives should leave their their fathers and mothers. It's actually speaking here to men. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. See that? So that the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Verse 33, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You see, it's a mutual thing, but the husband is given the authority and the he's really the the leader of the relationship. They don't lead it together. Now, a preferential love will always take into consideration the thoughts, the feelings, the plans, the purposes, the ideas of the one that it loves. But at the end of the day, the husband has to stand up and become the spiritual leader of his home because he will answer to God for how he led his family. That's so important to remember this. The husband, not the wife, will answer to God for what happened with the family. Now, I'm not saying this to condemn anybody. I'm saying it to show you the gravity and weight um, uh, of the of the responsibility that you have as a Christian husband. If your children are not serving the Lord properly, and I'm not saying it's too late. I'm not saying that they won't. I'm not saying that you know even if they've got, I'm telling God. God can. He's working on your behalf. Don't think the story's over. If you're if you're in this situation, it's not over. But understand what the Bible says. If you'll train up a child in the way that they should go, when they get old, they will not depart from it. So let's break that verse of scripture down. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they won't depart from it. So that means if they have departed from it, then the husband, who is the head of the home, has now the responsibility to explain, where did I fail in training up my child the way that he should go? Because either the word of God is lying or we've missed something. Because the word of God is true. If you'll train up a child in the way that they should go. So that means that God's saying, if you'll do what I command you to do through my word with your kids, then they'll stick with this for their entire life. So if they're if they've not stuck with it, then the key is, because God's not a liar, I failed somewhere training them. I've failed somewhere training them. So I have to go back and look. Now we're asking God to work miracles. And listen, he will, and he does. He has mercy, he has grace, and he'll work on your behalf. And you can begin to declare, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But I'm talking to people that you've not yet had kids, or maybe you're, you've are you got young kids. Think about this, husbands, how important it is that you take responsibility for what happens with your kids and with your wife, because we are likened to Christ in the relationship. And Christ has dominion and authority over his church, but he loves his church so much he gave himself for it. So that's why I'm pressing this issue first is because if you want to have a problem-free marriage, it starts by husbands taking the responsibility to say, I'm the head of my wife, I'm the head of my children, I'm the head of this home, 
and therefore I'm required to love them and lead them like Christ loved the church. A selfless, sacrificial love has to be the basis of a problem-free marriage, which means that the choices you're going to make for your family are going to be choices always with their best interests at heart. And let me tell you what that does for your family is that it, it builds a trust in them for you. And it gives you a track record that every decision you're making for your family is a decision that's in their best interest. So that when you go back and as years pass, you know, they begin to, the trust that's built or the rapport you build with your family is them quick, more and more quickly responding to your leadership. Uh, and your wife learns to trust you and your children learn to trust you and that your word is always good. And that if you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And I mean, all these different things um, is built upon you loving them like Christ so that as you go down the road, maybe when your kids are three or four, they don't understand these concepts. And so they just know your daddy and that you're doing, you know, they love you and they're looking up to you and they, they become, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. And you've been raising them up, correcting them and showing them the way to go. They begin to trust you so that by the time they're 18, it's second nature for them to say, oh, yeah, dad said this. It must be right. Dad said this. Mom said this. It's got to be right. I'm, I'm going to listen to what they said because they, they are always telling me the right thing. And they're always leading me the way, the way I should go. See how it, the track record and the rapport builds a trust that makes obedience to your word a second nature quality. Because you've always had their best interests at heart. You've always loved them. You've always shown them the way to go. You've always led them the right way. And so their obedience and their trust becomes second nature. And you're not having fist fights with your 18-year-old and screaming at them across the room. This is why you should do this. I don't know what your problem is. And you've always been dumb. And you're just like your mother. You know, and then problems with your wife. Fighting, fighting in front of the kids, issues at dinner, throwing dishes, people getting mad, not talking to each other, sleeping in separate rooms, separate bank accounts. See, it's problems. Why? Because you didn't begin by being a husband who loves like Christ. And you have to start that way. Number two, this is vital. The second thing that must take place is that you as a husband must be led by the Spirit. You must be led by the Spirit. This is so crucial I can't even begin to tell you because uh, if you miss this, then there will be things you weren't even ready for that you can't deal with properly. The Bible says in Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. All who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. That's Romans 8, 14. So as a Son of God, you are called to be led by the Spirit. See that? As a son of God, you are called to be led by the Spirit. It's so vital that you are because your family's depending on it. Literally, the wealth, the welfare and the well-being of your family is depending on whether or not you're being led by the Spirit. Let me give you an example. In the very beginning of time, Adam and Eve, we know, Adam and Eve were in the garden in Eden. And uh, Eve, the Bible says, was deceived by the serpent. God had already told Adam and Eve, don't eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, tree of life. They're not for you. They're reserved for me. 
do not eat. Well, the serpent then begins to speak and deceive the woman. But here's the issue that you need to understand today. This is so important. Eve was rightfully deceived by the serpent, but then the Bible says she brought her husband into the same place and enticed him to also eat of the fruit. And when he did, when Adam did, notice this, Adam was not deceived by the serpent. He just listened to the advice of his wife, who he knew was doing the wrong thing. But because he was not standing up to be the leader or the head of that relationship properly, the Bible says that through one man, talking about the first Adam, sin and death reigned and entered into the world. But by one man, which is the second Adam or the last Adam, Jesus, uh, sin and death were destroyed by his redemptive sacrifice. So by one man, sin came in and by one man, sin went out. But notice this. I truly, truly believe this based on how the Bible teaches relationship. I truly believe based on authority in the home that if Eve had been deceived by Satan, which she was, to eat the fruit, that when she encountered Adam and she brought the fruit to him, if he would have just done what he was anointed to do, which was correct his wife and rebuke her and cast the serpent out of the garden, because he had all dominion, by the way, God had transferred to Adam all dominion over everything, the fish of the sea, everything that creeped and crawled, everything that flew in the air. You know, Adam had dominion over every animal. So all he had to do at that point was to correct his wife, rebuke her for the mistake, cast by the, by the authority and dominion he had, cast the serpent out of the garden, which he was the keeper of on God's behalf. He was literally the representative of God on the earth. Everything could have gone back to its natural state. Notice the Bible doesn't say sin entered into the world because of Eve. It said by one man, see, because Adam's the one who had authority in the Garden of Eden. So in the same way that if we make a mistake as the bride of Christ, we are the uh, the woman in the relationship, according to the Bible, we're the bride of Christ. If we make a mistake, the Bible says that we can go to Christ, who is our husbandman, the Bible says. He's the groom. And we just ask him for forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9. And the Bible says if we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the same power Adam had in the Garden of Eden. All he had to do was to take his authority and position that when Eve came to him with a mistake, all he had to do was to forgive her and cleanse her as the head of that relationship and as the one who had dominion on the earth and everything could have gone back to normal and sin would not have entered into the world if Adam had done his uh, husbandly, priestly duties properly, we would still be in a sinless state because he had authority. And I truly believe that because if everything you read about the husband and wife relationship and how it's likened to Christ in the church, and how you know he had authority and dominion. Same thing. And so we, as husbands, must be led by the Spirit to do what we're supposed to do. The Bible says this in uh, Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 17. 
Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. So if you're a child of God who has direct access to the voice of God, you can see here in this scripture clearly and in the Romans 8, 14 that I just read you, you have access to the divine direction and guidance of the Most High God, which means you're fully equipped to guide your family. You're fully equipped to lead your wife and children into profit and the way you should go because that's where God takes you. He said, I teach you to profit and I lead you in the way you should go. So you have the ability as the husband to hear from the Lord and to lead your family in the way they should go and God will teach you to bring profitability to your family. So you've got to, got to be led by the Spirit. We say, well, not everything, the husband can't control any everything. You know, what about, what if the wife is making problems? What if she's causing problems? But you know what you can do? As the head of the home, you can be discerning in your spirit. And you can know ahead of time if there's problems in your home. You can know ahead of time if if your wife, do you know, and, and I want to say this to you, this 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 will blow your mind when I tell you this. You are responsible for your wife's spiritual well-being. That just blew somebody's mind. Well, she's a Christian herself. She needs to be responsible. No, you're the head of the home. You are the husband. You are responsible for your wife's spiritual. If your wife is falling into sin, it's your it's your fault. It's your fault. Why were you not praying with her on a daily basis? Why were you not praying for her? Why were you not in the word with her on a daily basis? Why, why were you not building her spirit man up? Why were you not building her spirit man up? You say, well, it's not my fault. She's got a free will. She does, but you're her head. And you are you have authority to bring righteousness into your home, to lead your home. And so there are things you can do that you're responsible for. It'd be like the same way. It'd be like the same as you saying, and I'm not, I'm not likening your wife to a helpless child, but it's just as ridiculous if people, if someone was to say, well, I can't, I, it's not my fault that, you know, his teeth are rotten out of his head. He's three years old. He likes candy bars, but he won't brush his teeth. Yeah. He won't brush his teeth, but you are still responsible for that child. And in the same way, you as a husband are responsible for your wife. And if she's having issues spiritually, it's because you've not been the proper priest of your home and you've not stood up and made a point, my family will be spiritually strong. My family will spiritually overcome. And if you're not on top of that, yeah, you might be in a position where your wife uh, can begin to get weak spiritually. You'd hope she's not. You'd hope she's pressing in. But what if you have a wife that's not been saved as long as you are, that's weak in faith? You know, she may not be reading her word for, you know, every day properly. She may not be praying. So you as the husband are responsible. When's your prayer time? When are you praying? Are you making sure your wife's praying? You checking up on her? Is she reading her word? Is she understanding what she's reading? Does she need to talk to you? Do you need to read together? Do you need to pray together? If she's sick, do you lay your hands on your wife and pray for her healing? Or do you run her to the hospital or to CVS to get something, some drugs for her body? I mean, here's the questions you need to be asking. Am I led by the spirit as the husband, as the father? Am I laying my hands on my kids when they're sick and my wife when she's sick? If the devil tries to attack, am I doing, am I fasting and praying for the direction of my family? Am I working hard? You know, the Bible says that a man who doesn't work and provide for his family is worse than a pagan, an infidel, someone who's left the faith. 
So I said, a sinner is better than you if you're a Christian who won't work and take care of your family. So as the spiritual leader, are you uh, taking control and saying, listen, we're going to be a spiritual family. We are going to be a family who prays. We're going to be a family, you know, so understand this. You can be led by the spirit so that you even know what's going to be taking place in your family before it even happens. Before it even happens, God will show you so that you know how to pray ahead of time against it. You're not so zoned out doing your work and job and coming home and binging Netflix and playing video games and that you're not on top of what's happening in your family. What's going on with your kids? What's going on with your wife? You know, is she having issues? Is she not feeling loved? Is she starting to get close with a, a male friend who shows her more attention and love than you do because you're just so busy doing other things that you don't love your wife like, like Christ loves the church? And it could be that they were just friends for a while, but now because she's feeling more and more neglected and you don't ever want to be talked to because you're too busy doing other things and, you know, he's willing to hear her out and be talk- and see what's happening is now she's establishing a soul tie with somebody who's taking the place of someone who's who's trying to lead her that was never called to lead her, and this is what ends up uh, causing people to be to fall into sin and sexual sin and temptation and leaving the relationship. And well, he listens to me, and you don't listen to me, and you know he cares about my things I love and like to talk about. See, and it's a problem. You're not le- being led by the Spirit. You're not leading your wife in the way that she should go, and you're not strengthening her to be in position to do what she's been called to do. So number two, you've got to be led by the Spirit. And the final thing I want to leave with you husbands today before we pick on the wives next week is that number three, you have to lead your family by example in discipline. That's number three. You've got to lead your family by example in discipline. You know, I I grew up in West Virginia with a lot of these guys that, you know, that was their... um, you know, that was, uh, that was the MO. It was like, you know, I don't go to church, but I, you know, I make sure my kids are in church every week. You know, I don't, I don't go to church, but I make sure my wife goes to church and takes the kids. You know, you can't, you can't expect that to work. You're not leading by example. It's a, it's a, a case of, you know, don't do what I do, do what I say. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. L- uh, you know, leadership by example is the most effective type of leadership. Leadership by example. Why? We just heard an example of that in Ephesians 5, which was what? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You know what that means? Don't just do what I say, do what I did. I was so willing to love my church that I took stripes on my back for my church. I took nails in my hands for my church. I took beatings on my face until I was unrecognizable for my church. I let them pierce my head and my forehead with a crown of thorns for my church. They pierced my side with a spear for my church. So you start to look at all these things Christ did for the church because he loved her so much. He gave himself for her. So the same thing is true. I've got to lead by example. My kids will pray because I pray. My kids will read their word because I read my Bible. My daughter Madeline does it now. She comes out in the morning, first thing she does. She doesn't ask to watch her iPad before school starts or anything. Nope, she grabs her Bible first thing. Sometimes I'll come out and she's downstairs before me. And she'll she'll be already out on the couch with her Bible in her hand. The only reason she does that is because mom and dad read the Bible. 
kids just don't randomly do. They don't randomly learn to do things that you're not doing. If you don't want your kids to drink, don't be a drinker. If you don't want your kids to smoke, don't have a cigarette every once in a while. Well, you know, I'm just, I've told them that this is my life, but they need to, they need to stay away from this stuff. As you're puffing, you're telling them to stay away. You understand? You have to lead by example and you have to say, listen, if I want my kids to be readers of the word, I've got to make a point to read the word and make it known I'm reading it. Let them see you reading it. If I want my kids to be people of prayer, I need to be a person of prayer and I need to let them know and see that I'm praying right now. Daddy's praying. Daddy is praying for you. If you want your kids to be givers, be a giver and talk about giving and let them see you're giving. If you want your kids to be faithful as they grow up, you be faithful. Be faithful to church, faithful to the things of God. And so that's that's number three. You've got to lead your family by example. If you want your uh, marriage to be a problem-free marriage, lead your wife by example in discipline. Let her see that you have a discipline to loving her. I have a discipline to caring for her. I don't just buy her flowers when it's the anniversary or her birthday, but there's times throughout the year that I'll come home with flowers or a gift or a surprise date or I want to show her that I love her. I'm going to prove to her by leadership that I love her by example. She's going to see that I care about her spirituality by the way that I care for her spiritually. By the way that I pray for her, pray with her, read with her, study with her, give her revelation that I may have that she doesn't, she's going to see by leadership that I care about these things. And as a result, she is going to then have those seeds sown into her and then it's going to produce a harvest of her loving me back in the same way. And you understand you're, once again, it's all based on the foundation of love, loving her like Christ loved the church. And it creates an atmosphere of uh results that are biblical, scriptural, God-designed results. And it brings love because you've already sown love as the leader. So you know what your harvest is that's rightly due to you? Love. Love. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. (laughs) Love covers a multitude of sins. You are making a decision to stay joyful, meaning you've sown joy into your home. It's going to be a joyful home. You're going to be a dad and a husband who laughs a lot, takes it easy, not always stressed out, ready to snap somebody's neck. Joy. You're so enjoying your home, so in peace. You're not a drama dad, a drama husband, always looking for problems, always looking for issues. Be laid back. Take it easy. Take it easy. And so peace into your home. So patience into your home. There's things I've had to do. I've looked at my life and said, listen. I notice my kids starting to become short with people and short with each other. I need to look back at myself. Obviously, if that's happening, I'm being short with people. And they're just picking up what I am. That's all that's happening. If I see my wife starting to get irritated, maybe it's because I've been irritated. And that whatever is on me is feeding off onto her and it needs to stop. I need to bring patience back, peace back, joy back, love back. See that? Gentleness, meekness. That's humility. I need to bring those things back. The fruit of the Spirit need to be demonstrated publicly by you as the husband and the head of that home. I want to pray for every man that's listening right now. We're going to come back next week with choices that every wife must make for a problem-free marriage in response to this podcast episode. 
because see, it's we're working even though the husband's the home, the head of the home, the wife also has responsibilities according to scripture. And we're going to get into those next week on the podcast. Father, I pray for every man, every father, every uh, husband that's listening to the podcast. Maybe they're not married yet, but they're making plans to be married. Maybe they're not a father yet, but they're making plans to be a father. I pray in Jesus' name for every man that's listening. Father, give them the boldness and the strength to live in love as Christ loved the church, a selfless, sacrificial love. I pray in the same way that you would give them the ability to oversee and be led by the Spirit to oversee their family, to see ahead of time things that are coming down the road so they can properly be ready to lead their family in the right direction. And Lord, I pray that you would let them lead by example. Give them a desire to obey your word, to be hungry for the things of God. Raise up a new generation of men that are not satisfied with the normal, but are ready for the supernatural in their homes and their families. We thank you, Lord, for it. We give you praise and glory in the mighty name of Jesus. We love you and we thank you. Amen. Listen, I love you guys. Take a minute and share this today with somebody. Direct message it to somebody. Put it on your uh, Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, um, and send it out. Let people see this because we need strong men more than ever. Put Somebody put this on your stories. If you're going to use a quote, whatever, but tag me in it. Let me see that you're enjoying and listening to this. Next week, don't forget, choices that every wife must make. We're going to pick on the ladies next week. It's They also have responsibilities according to the word. But when we both do what we're called to do, get ready because supernatural peace, like nobody could even expect, that lives in the world. So there's always problems. You can live without problems in Jesus' name. I love you guys. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget until next week, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 